Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. So feel free to, uh, to, to reach out at that link, and uh, our, our students will, will do you justice. So, Well, good morning, church. It's good to see your faces, your smiley faces, some of you, some of you tired. So you got an extra hour of sleep today. Is that good? Amen? Maybe not? All right. I know my wife didn't feel that way this morning. My kids did not uh, respect daylight savings time, and so... Uh, for uh, parents, young parents, uh, feel you today, because that was a very real reality in our home, maybe a little more frustration uh, than normal. On that note, though, I uh, wanted to share some news with you. My wife and I, we had an exciting report this week. We are expecting our third in March, and so we had a healthy, yeah, healthy 20-week ultrasound, so Think about rest today, and rest will be in short supply pretty soon. But uh, it's, it's fun watching our kids and talking to our kids about it. Judah's four, and, and Merrick's two and a half. And so, uh, you know, Judah, we got the ultrasound pictures back, and, and we kind of pointed a few things out to him. And then his grandma and grandpa came over, and so he's the expert now to my father-in-law, who's, who's been a, a doctor for, for 30 years or whatever and has delivered babies. And so he's showing him all the all the parts of the baby and everything and he's he's so pumped about it so I think he's gonna be a sonographer or a radiologist or something and my daughter she's just ready to be the second mom of our kids so so looking forward looking forward to that um wasn't it good to have Pastor Dave last week it was it was so good it was it was fun um just to see him connecting with with so many of you those he's that he has has pastored in the past but also those of you that he has met for the first time, I think some of you kind of just know him through, through the videos that we throw up from time to time or the references, but uh, it was truly a great time to, to spend with, with Dave and Janet and certainly grateful for their 23 years of, of ministry uh, here at this church. Um, we are truly experiencing the fruit of their labor. As I meet with many pastors, you know, this church culture has always been something I've been grateful for as I meet with other pastors and just the, the things that they deal with. And um, this, is, this place is such a blessing. It has been to me for the last 12, 13 years. Um, on behalf of Justin and myself, thank you for uh, making us feel appreciated, not only this last month, um, but, but just throughout the course of, of a year. Just how often all of you are so eager to, to text or to call or to write, um, to jump in and to, to co-labor in ministry together. It's just such a joy to be a part of a, a body like that. And so today we continue in our series, The Fundamentals, right? Disciplines that change lives. And we remind ourselves that life was never about standing still. To be alive requires movement, right? Talked about this in the, in the first week. Um, the heart beats, the lungs breathe, the body, the body moves. That's what it requires for a living organism. The same is true for the church. The same is true for our spiritual 
lives, in the way that we, the way that we, that we function in our faith and, and, and yield ourselves over to Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to do work in us. We're reminded that, that it's only because of God's grace and his mercy that leads us to this, this sanctified life. And we're saved by grace and we're created for good works. And uh, as we sanctify, as we yield ourselves over to the daily work of him, he continues to do a work in us. And so that's where we, we've come up with our guiding passage for this, for this last uh, six or eight weeks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24, right? May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And in this fundamentals, we, we, we seek these, these disciplines because we believe that they lead to life transformation. Not because of the disciplines in and of themselves, but because of the fruit that they, that they produce and because of the work that it's done in us. Um, so I just wanted to take a few minutes to just reflect on where we've been in this series and to talk about a, a fun topic, I think, for today as we, as, as we move forward. But some of the ways that we respond in the, in the lives of these, these spiritual disciplines um, include prayer, right? Prayer isn't just, isn't just treating God as a genie and praying for, the, for, for a good life. Prayer is the good life. It is that is that communion with the Lord in those times of need, in, in those times of, of when we're on top of the mountain. Um, prayer is our source. And then study. Justin spoke on this. We talk about uh, resting in the knowledge of God and seeing it as, as food for the soul, right? It's, it's life-giving. It's, it's, it's daily bread. It's, it's sustaining. And just how, how powerful that is in, in every season that we are in, um, to be able to just bask in the, the word of God and the revelation of God as he reveals himself to us. We shared about worship. So much more than just what we did here in, in, in the corporate setting, but also worship as a lifestyle. Worship is something where we die daily to ourselves. We, we, we live for Christ. We, we find ways to... Um, to live out that, that priesthood of all believers and living in a posture, a lifestyle of worship. It's truly transformational. And then community. Right, a couple weeks ago, we had a, a panel up here of, of just some amazing individuals that um, they're amazing because they've allowed God to work in their lives and they've yielded some, themselves over to the work of God in their life. They've made themselves available, not only for the Lord, but for others. You see, when you join a life group, when you're a part of a, a, a group, it's, yeah, there's, the byproduct is, is, you know, you grow, but also it's, it's for others. It's, they, they are the ones who, um, who challenge you to continue to go, that, that when, we, when, we, when we disconnect from that, not only are, are we losing out, but also um, we don't have that opportunity to be, to be that for somebody else, to, to be that encouragement that they need, that they're hoping for, that they're, they're expecting when they, when they are a part of a group. And so, you know, we're never meant to do this life alone. While our faith is, is personal, it's never meant to be private. It's always meant to be lived out, to share. That's, what, that's the purpose of a testimony, right? To share with others what Christ has done in your life. 
And so that's why we pursue community. And so today, I think it's fitting that we spend some time to rediscover the joy of our salvation through rest, through Sabbath keeping, through uh, maybe easing up on the gas pedal in life. Just like everything else, this isn't about trying harder, but it's about being intentional. Today is actually about letting go and allowing, allowing God to, to work in you and to rest and to play, to enjoy life, to celebrate the gift that is life that God has given us. And so we rest. And my heart for you today is that you will begin to understand, if you haven't already, what it means to live a life with Sabbath posture. Just like worship, the theme is going to be the same today as far as, uh, you know, we come to worship, we gather together in worship. But it's so much more than that. It's a lifestyle that it propels us into. And just like this rest, uh, the Sabbath rest, it's a day, but also it can be a lifestyle. And I'm happy to share with you how today. To know that we have entered into the Sabbath rest is a goal today, not because we can look at our lives through the lens of the Father, because as we do that, we understand that nothing more is needed from us. That just, just being with the Lord is all that he asks of us on this day. Jesus himself reminds us in Mark and Matthew, the Sabbath was made for us. We don't exist for the Sabbath. And so what is the Sabbath, right? We hear about it. Opening text today comes from Exodus 20. It's a Genesis, Exodus. So you're two books in. I know I'm in the Old Testament again. I seem to spend a lot of time in there from a preaching standpoint. Don't worry, we're gonna, we're gonna get to Jesus, okay? Okay, but to get there, we have to understand where we've been, where the people of God have been, and why what Christ did is so powerful. It's when we understand that. So how many of you have heard of a list called the Ten Commandments? One. Okay, two of you today. Okay, let me fill you, maybe let's, two of you, that's good, we can work with that. So the Ten Commandments was this, was this covenant between God and his people, right? Following the exit of Egypt and, and, um, and the Ten Commandments even through, through the millennia have, have not only shaped the people of God, but even adjacent governments as they've adopted it as a moral set of, of codes or things to, you know, to not murder and to, um, to not do so many, a lot of different things. Governments have adopted this. But, but for God and his people, this was, this, was, this was a covenant. It ushered the way to, and it paved the way uh, for the law. Daniel Grothy writes that the Sabbath introduces us to the graciousness of God. Because in these 10 commandments, commandment four is to honor the Sabbath, right? So the first four revolve around God, who he is, what you ought to do. And that fourth one ends with, with keeping the Sabbath. 
And so let's pray as we, as we get in this today. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the work that you've begun, the work that you continue to do. Lord, as we yield ourselves over to you, as we trust in you. Lord, I pray that um, the meditation of my heart and the words that come out today would be pure, that they would be an accurate reflection of who you are, Lord. And if they say something today um, that's not aligned with you, Holy Father, I pray that you would just allow it to fall away from the ears of those who hear it. Lord, but for the truth, Lord, may it be planted deep within them as something that guides us and directs us to a life with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so Exodus 20, 8 through 11 here. And I forgot to tell Ryan, I don't have anything to control my slides, man, so you feel free to jump in and, and control those back there. But Exodus 20 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, or your animals, or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So we know from this that this day was always designed to be a blessing. And throughout, throughout the, the Jewish customs and, and laws, they had, they had made um, Sabbath become a burden. And, 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 and Jesus, Jesus kind of interacts with this through, through the lives of, uh, through his life with the, with the Pharisees and, and those as he, um, as he walked through the, the Jewish customs and, and, and questioned the, the authority because this day was always meant to be a blessing. It was meant to look different from all other days of work, to usher in a kingdom pace that was set apart from the rest of the world, from the rest of cultures. And so I think to truly appreciate the Sabbath, we must first appreciate the importance of work. In Genesis, God worked. He created the heavens and the earth, right? And in six days and called it good. He created us. He called it very good and, and, and all of these things. And, and so we understand that, that work is good. We, we work six-sevenths of our life. We have permission to work. But then he talks about the seventh day. And that seventh day wasn't good. It was holy. It was sanctified. It was set apart. It was to be given to the Lord. And so as far as work goes, you know, we're always looking for ways to become more productive and we're always looking for ways to be more efficient and ingenuity is a really cool thing. And that's where work intersects with, with worship, what we talked about a couple weeks ago, because in, in our working, we are supposed to lead lives of excellence and that's God honoring and that's a way that we worship him. And so, yeah, we go for it and we, and, and we work hard and as believers, just, just to best represent the kingdom of God. And so we have permission to do that. It's a good thing. And in, in the midst of that, we worship while we work. We are excellent in our work. But then there's also this, this level of imbalance that comes, right? 
in a culture, by and large, we, we are, are works-based a lot of times. We spend a lot of time thinking about doing work. Unfortunately, work and, and busyness consumes life around us and invades even the Sabbath because we feel like our work isn't done, so we kind of white-knuckle it and, and allow things to creep into the day the Lord set apart for us to rest and to be re-energized. Let me let you in on a little secret. There will always be more work to do. Work is never finished. And so if you believe the lie of the enemy, that if you just work on this, if you just take that, that, that seventh day a little bit extra, if you, just, if you just do that, that maybe you can catch up. Friends, that's a lie. And so what do we do? I remember 2010 is the, is the year actually that kind of came to NAPNAS, but I wanted to, I wanted to share with you a few minutes or a, a few months before um, I came to, I came to, to church here and, and, and began a, what was it called now to ministry. It was a time in my life I'll always remember. I was, I was 22 years old at the time and wrestling with what's next for me and, and my life. Uh, college years are horrible. I don't like them. I, I never liked my, I just feel so bad for, for, for people who are in that stage of life. And maybe you got it figured out. I sure didn't. And so as I'm trying to navigate life and trying to navigate um, just this, this unrest, it's so unsettling. You don't have any money. You don't have a clue of what you want to do. In fact, you're, you're, you're signing your life away if you're going to college a lot of times. And uh, I, I finally settled on a major. Believe it or not, my first major was physical education. I was going to be a gym teacher. I thought that was awesome. Uh, the, and the person in my life at the time was a gym teacher that had made an impact on my life. I thought that was great. Second, I, I soon figured out that I did not want to, I couldn't do that. And so uh, next actually was physical therapy. And so I thought, man, I'm going to work on people. Well, after I couldn't even get out of the basic anatomy class, I'm like searching, right? So like to tell you that this was unsettling, I had switched majors a few times and I settled on business and I loved, I loved it. That's how my mind works. And so, um, and even the things that I've, I've done around here and I've worked with, with, um, with, with uh, pastors or people in the community, I just, that's how my mind operates and functions. So I loved that. And so I lived in Toledo at the time. I was, I went to college full time and I actually was, uh, I was working at a logistics company at the airport, and so uh, I would do that third shift. And so, you know, you, as you can imagine, I, uh, finding time to sleep was interesting. Uh, I, would, I would come home, uh, well, I'd start on Monday, I'd go to class, and then I would sleep for three hours, and then I would uh, go into work at night, and then in the morning I would come home and I would sleep for another three hours, and then I would go to school, and then three hours of sleep, and then work, and then three hours of sleep. And so it was just this chopped up sense of life. And in the process of that, my love for Christ um, really took off. And I started, started working through what it looked like to be, um, to be in ministry and got connected with the church here. And, and so um, it was a really just transitional time in my life, but, but I, was, I was just running. I was just running. And it was it was. It was crazy, and so I don't know how many of you remember those Fuse services here we had. It was a Sunday night service, okay? So, uh, so Sunday was no different than the rest of my weeks because I would come here early in the morning, and I would, uh, it would be a 15-hour day. I would just stay here. I'd, I'd sleep in the, on a couch, and then I would I'd do rehearsal, and we'd do our Sunday night service, and it was just a ridiculous pace. I would, I would fall asleep exhausted Sunday night, and then Monday, 
the whole cycle starts over. And my thought was, you know, hey, I got to figure this out. You only get one life, right? You want to make the most of it. Don't we want to make the most of our time? We are created for work. You know, nothing, you know, we're doing this. This is okay. Um, until I started to, I'll finish that story later. But I started to look at, at who Christ was, right? Does it ever frustrate you that Christ was never in a hurry to get anywhere? That while people are dying and then about to die, he gets there in his time. Sometimes he resurrects them. And it frustrated me as I, as I look sometimes. It's like, God, you should be like, come on, we're, we're out ahead of you. Like if I, was his, if I was one of the disciples and I was a business manager, I would be frustrated that we weren't doing more things. You know, as, as, as we look, even, even in Luke 5, I was, I was looking this week and it's like, uh, it says news about him um, was spreading all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and, and were healed in their sickness. And as, as, a, as a disciple or a business manager of his, I would have been like, all right, here we go. People are coming. This is time to take the kingdom. Here we go. And then verse 16. It says, but Jesus, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And having been with, one with the Father from eternity past, Jesus moved at the pace of a divine life. He understood the pace that he ought to go. He didn't get wrapped up in, in the world and in the expectations of others. He knew the expectation from the Father, and that was his pace. Now, I don't know, maybe you have more to do than Jesus in life, but uh, I sure don't. And so for me, like, this is something that has really impacted me. The God who created time, who lives outside of time, sent Christ to show us how to use time. And so, what does it look like when it's, what does time look like? Two, scripture has two words for time. I didn't know if you knew this or not. Chronos and kairos are the two words for time in scripture. And the way the world is governed is through chronos. Chronos is uh, the calendar, this countdown clock right here. It's always moving, right? The day of the week. It's, it's militant. It, it, it just betrays us. We, we, we convince ourselves that we can do things in an amount of time and there's never enough time and, and we're always slave to it. It's, 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 it's rhythm. It's, this just, it's just this ongoing um, place. And, and, and so for, for the Sabbath, for the Pharisees, or for, for, for them at that time, they viewed the Sabbath as chronos. Now is time for the Sabbath. Stop doing this, start doing this. This is the time. And, and then you have kairos. And, and, and this is where we see time as a gift, as an opportunity, as a season. It's pregnant with purpose. Kairos is, is the servant of holy purpose, where there's a time for everything, right? I mean, you look in Ecclesiastes uh, 3. This is where this, this word Kairos is here, not Kronos. A time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plan, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, tear down, build. It understood not time in the sense of Kronos, but of Kairos. Here's the best way to, to understand that. Kronos asks, what time is it? Kairos asks, what is this time for? 
And when we begin to appreciate and to see how Christ modeled the Sabbath, how he rested and played well and, and knew what it meant to, to have fun and to be lighthearted, and, and, and he started to view the Sabbath as something that wasn't militant, and he showed the people what it means that there's so much more to the rest of God than, than keeping all of these things in order. And as we, as we look at this, we begin to see time differently. We begin to view it. There's a paradigm shift. No longer does it have, have voice over us, but it becomes an opportunity. A Sabbath posture propels us to discern through the Holy Spirit what this time is for. And in the midst of our day, even in the midst of Kronos, right? What is this time for? So I no longer see our, my workday as eight to four, but in the midst of my time at work, who's, Vlad, who's God bringing into my life? And what is he doing here? And how can I best honor him? And how can I have this posture of, of rest despite the chaos around me? Because Lord, you've equipped me, you've sanctified me for this moment. And in our days of rest, how do we truly appreciate those? To see time differently, to see the Sabbath differently. Luke 10, um, last place we'll turn today. Story of two ladies. Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She called to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. A few, few takeaways. We have a distinct contrast, right, between two individuals who choose to spend the same amount of time. And Jesus doesn't rebuke Martha. There's actually nothing necessarily wrong with what she was doing. She was being a host. She was called to do these things, and this is, this is what she did. But all, what does he say? Mary has chosen what is better. And while Martha was busy because it's time to host and to do many things, Mary knew what the time was for. She found the freedom in Christ to be able to sit at his feet, to hear what he had to say. She gave the Lord her complete attention and affection while Martha is frustrated. For me, that's a sobering reminder of what actually matters. It's 
See, I could, I've been a Martha more times than I've been a Mary probably. For years, people uh, coming over to my house, it's like, oh, I've got to have it put together. I have to pretend like nobody lives here, right? Even though we have two kids, I can't make it look like it. And in the midst of that, I was robbed of joy. Kronos is a joy stealer. It robs us. And I began to realize that in an effort to, to keep time, to, keep, to do all these things, I lost track of the moments. See, the rest of the story that I didn't tell you about, about, about me back in 2010, the season went on for a little while. I was pushed to the limits. Yeah, it was exhausting, but I would probably use the word exhilarating. I was discovering the purpose, my purpose, discovering a call, wrestling with that. There's one day on my way home from work, there's a late arrival of an airplane, and so I spent some time um, wanted to earn favor with the supervisor, so I stayed after to, to help. On my way home, I caught myself dozing off a few times. The last thing I remember is that I was almost home. Less than a half a mile from, our, from the place that I was staying, I struck a telephone pole. I was jolted, jolted awake by the airbags. It took me a minute to come to. At first I thought it was a dream. I was trying to figure out what I was, what I was doing. I tried to wake up until it wasn't. You see, there's two casualties in the series of my poor decision making. First was my, my vehicle, that was ruined. Oh well. Second was my heart. It was my hard reset. The Lord started to show me what it meant to restore. He reminded me why I needed to rest. Because not only was I running physically and was I tired, but I wasn't finding him in the quiet place either. I wasn't allowing him space to work in my life. I was just responding to the things in front of me. You see, you can experience the slavery of Kronos or the freedom of Kairos. I believe that's the heart of what Jesus meant for us as he, as, he, as he reminded us of what the Sabbath was for, that it's for us. We were never meant to be slave to that. We were meant to keep it because it's life-giving. This has been a years, years of struggle for me. I'd be lying if I said this wasn't the last time that I struggled with balance and, and busyness. Of course, uh, you know, I think the pandemic really brings a lot of that to light. We started 
working harder, working more, shifting priorities, taking more on, pivoting, saying yes to the things in front of us, foregoing other things. Earlier this summer changed me. This church gave me the gift of a sabbatical. Eight weeks. No, I didn't binge watch Netflix. (laughs) Although, eight weeks to slow down to press pause on all the things that were demanded of me and to rest in the goodness of God. Eight weeks of Kairos. To walk at a divine pace. The pace we were meant to. Friends, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where this finds you. I'll tell you, I've got, there's a lot going on and it doesn't mean that I'm working less. But what I've learned is in the midst of that, to rest well, to play, to see a moment, to say, God, what are you doing in this moment? Whether it's on my day off or just in the day to day, finding the Lord in those moments, seeking rest, making it as big of a priority as I make things that are worldly. And then out of rest, working well. rediscover the joy of my salvation. I wasn't working for keeps. I was working because I was a child of God. And the Father gives us permission to rest, to slow down, to take it easy. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul, leads me beside quiet waters. Psalm 103 reminds me this week, we are but dust, here today, gone tomorrow. The things we build up 50 years from now, what's it for? I'm interested in making a legacy for my children. Because just like me, what I model, what I share with them, the way they see dad, the things I thrust them into. Hey, go, come on, come on, come on. We gotta keep going, we gotta keep going. I give them permission to rest. They teach me to play, to rest. On this day, I simply want to encourage you to trust God. Are you taking time? 
for rest? Are you taking time? Maybe your mind's already out of here. You dismiss it. All right, rest, got it. On to the next thing. And you're already thinking about your schedule for the week. There's a rest of God available to all of us. If we are willing to let go, if we are allowing, get this, a tithe is a tenth, right? The Lord just, he calls us. And in everything in scripture, Jesus takes the law and he elevates it, right? Don't murder. I say, don't even think about it. Don't even think about ill thoughts towards a person, right? Don't commit adultery. Don't even, he says, you hear that. But I, I say, don't even look at someone lustfully. We see tithe as, a, as a 10%. I don't believe that he asks us to give less. But that's a ten, that's 10%. What does he call us to give in rest? It's like 14% of our lives, minimum. Permission to rest today. Permission to rest this week. And when you work, work with excellence to honor God. That's all I want to share with you. What does it look like to build a posture, a Sabbath posture of rest? Busyness kills the heart. It makes us stop caring about the things we think we, we, we care about. Because we're all about tasks and completing tasks. My prayer for us today is Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation that only comes when I rest in you. Kronos is a joy stealer. Kairos is life-giving. What is this time for? So we end by coming to the table today to reflect, to renew, to rest in what Christ did for us on the cross. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for the thing I've made it. It's about you. help me to recalibrate the decisions, the electives that I've made in life for 95% of us in this room. These are electives. If you think hard and long enough, the decisions that you've made, the things that you're committed to, they're electives. My prayer is that Christ would be the elective and that rest would be the elective. Yield over turn over your time. Allow him to restore. Father, we come to you today. The reality is, Lord, I could have said this in five minutes. Hey, rest. But there's so much more to that. And what you're wanting to do, it's a paradigm shift. It's a lifestyle of rest, Sabbath posture. It's a pace. It's a kingdom pace that you showed us how to live 
Christ. So may we walk in that. May we, may we discern what time is for. Lord, we pray that you would check our hearts today. Lord, forgive us for the things we've made it. Forgive us for allowing our joy to be robbed by Kronos, the deceptiveness that there's never enough time, that we have to forsake meeting together, that we have to forsake being in your word or being in prayer because we just think this world is demanding and calling yet one more thing. And all you ask us to do is to be still. You just want our attention. And when we rest, we give you our full attention. And so as we come to the table, Father, we say you have our attention. Restore us. Forgive us of the things that we've made it. We've discarded this gift. We've said thanks, but no thanks to you. And Lord, now we receive it. May we be a, a body, a people that are salt and light to this earth, to this culture, to the kingdoms of this world as we model rest, as we model play, as we permit ourselves to enjoy the things you've created, God. We say, do a work in us, show us every circumstance what time is for it's in Jesus name amen I want to end with coming to the table today because I think some of us need a reset his yoke is easy his burden is light, light when we trust in him So the night that he was betrayed, he took the body. He says, this is my body. Broken for you. The things that I modeled, the things that you read about, the way that I lived, this validates it all. My death and resurrection. Went to, through great strength, through great lengths to offer this to you, to show you. So as you take and eat, do this in remembrance of me, what I've done for you and what I've modeled for you. The same way he took the cup after giving thanks to it, blessing it. He says, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, do this in remembrance of, of me, of what I've taught you, of what I've told you, of what I shared with you. Live into it. Allow me to be your joy. Allow me to be your rest. And so Father, as we come, Lord, let your work be done and your will be done in us as we yield ourselves over to you. As we yield ourselves over. I invite you to come to the table as you're ready. Let's stand as we do that.
elements here on both sides of the room in the back. We say, Lord, this is my reset. back to your seats. I encourage you to reflect, to pray, and to take it when you're ready. Take it by yourself, take it with your family. Receive the body, the blood shed out for you. today, I want to stand up again.
Father, we pray to restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Or to live in peace, to live settled, to be anxious of nothing, oh God. There's so much to be anxious for. There's so much to strive for. There's so much to consume our space, our mind. Lord, may we be drawn by the affections of you today. Lord, may we we live into Kairos, asking ourselves each day, what is this time for? May we learn to rest well because you've shown us in the process of becoming king of the world, king of the universe. You taught us to rest because you moved at a kingdom pace with a Sabbath posture. Lord, may we do that each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to close today with our uh, passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. It's not coming up on the sides, but say from memory with me if you can. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? Amen. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.